shots on the beat, boy. Accent made this. Welcome back to the Value Adds Value podcast with Kyle Krieger and Wilkie Law, where we're sharing inspiring stories of educators just like yourself, helping you to develop your craft and sharpen your tools to become the teacher your students deserve. This is the Value Adds Value podcast. Let's jump into this next episode. Hey guys, just a quick question. How can we help you become the teacher your students deserve? Please, please reach out to us. Follow us on social media at Value Adds Value. Go to our website, thelledproject.com, or send Wilkie or I an email and let us know what we can do to help you become the teacher your kids deserve. And if you don't mind, while you're at it, Hit the subscribe button, share this podcast out, and help us reach more teachers to help them become the teacher their kids deserve. Now, back to the podcast. Connecting from the beginning to the end. And when I did it, I, I did say my legacy my purpose when I wrote it out, my legacy, my purpose. Because in order for us to be able to connect the beginning to the end, we have to have ownership of it. Right. Uh, Well, man, one of the biggest aha moments that I got about development is when I was having a conversation with um, my cousin's boyfriend, who's a realtor. And, you know, he's he's one of those entrepreneurial spirit guys who who wants to get in, be involved in much more. And, uh, you know, so whenever we get together, we just have really great conversation. So we were talking about land and how you can't begin to develop or do anything on a land until you own it or someone has given you temporary use of that uh, by way of a lease or by way of of, um, some type of shared co-op of this property. Because anything that you do, once you start to develop on things that you don't take ownership of, it's not yours. It's not yours. Build a house. On property that's not owned by you, you and your you can leave, and you can leave that house right there. You can choose to tear it up; it doesn't matter to me. But that's on my property, so if you leave. If you that's it's up to you, but you gotta go. Thank you, I appreciate it. But when you talk about ownership, that means that I've set aside these are my forty acres in Colorado. We'll come back to that later. These are my forty acres in Colorado. Um, and, and I'm going to develop on it. Matter of fact, I'm going to split it into 10 pieces. And, and if, into 10 pieces for four acres each and build something for everybody that I love and I care about. We're going to create this. Now I can do whatever I want to do within the parameters of those 40 acres. Because I own it. So I can develop it. And as teachers, we have to get to the point to say, before I can leave a legacy, 
before I can live my best life. The key word in front of that is my. <laughs> so your best life can't be coming to school and being rude to everybody at your campus. That can't be your best life. Your best life can't be not involving yourself in the school culture because you have too much other stuff to do. And why are you working in a school? The whole purpose of a school and to make it works is the collaboration that happens between teacher to teacher. But if you don't own yourself first, you can't offer yourself up for development, which then means that you can't change and shift and modify how you deal with things in the moment. So the first piece of that, my legacy, my purpose is owning that this is mine. I've made this decision. My wife and I have been talking a lot about ever since the cruise, uh, before the cruise, actually, about having teachers to redevelop their why. Why did you get into this field? Why? What, what was it about being overworked, underpaid, underappreciated <laughs> that said, I want to go do that? <laughs> there had to be something intrinsic that jailed inside of you that said, I want to go do this. And then to see it through to fruition. So what was that? And when you get to that, own it, own it. Then you can start developing and connecting the beginning to the end. Looking and saying, okay, what do I want kids to say about me when it's all said and done? You know, I, 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 some people think that it's kind of morbid. But I think about my funeral. I think about my obituary. I, I think about the people who will get up and speak on my behalf. Um, I would hope that that they would have to clear room for the thousands of students that I've already touched because I've made such a connection that they would want to come out and, and say their final goodbye to someone who had an impact in their life. Um, between last summer and this summer, we've lost some, uh, some real pioneers in education. Uh, Miss Christian taught for over 50 years uh, in Houston, an amazing woman, and I watched at her funeral that she had state representatives who she had taught. She had doctors who she had taught, lawyers who she had taught. And these people got up and they spoke of what she was able to do for them then and how coming to this now just made sense. I didn't I hadn't seen her since then, but something said I can't let her leave without saying goodbye one more time. When I think of legacy and what I want, I think of that moment. And even though I won't be there within my physical realm to, to witness it, I know that the work that I put in right now, which gives me my purpose, which gives me my purpose, I know that the work that I put in right now, it's going to show forth that that's what I want and that's what I desire. I'm not in here for part-time work. This wasn't a temporary positioning. This is my calling. This is my true vocation. I, I, I want to become a master craftsman of education, and just like I know you do. But we don't understand really how to connect our purpose because we don't have the end game. My end game gives me my purpose. My end game. Because that's what's going to drive me. What's, what's that vision of where I want to be? That gives me my purpose. That mm -hmm. tells me how much work I got to do. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and it reminds me of 
what Gary Vee is always saying that he reverse engineers everything. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. he starts with the end, you know? So, so in this case, if we're really working, like you said, it's impossible coming into this profession to know exactly what's going to happen. You know, it's impossible to know those things. But if you start with that, this is what I want the end state to be. And, and you, it, it's, it's so much easier to start for me, it is to start from the end state and work backwards to where I'm at than to start where I'm at and try to have the foresight and the vision to predict all of these things going forward to get to that end result. Because, you know, there's so many things. I think for me, though, the more I reverse engineer where I want to be, when, when, when unexpected things happen, both good and bad, the more ready you are for them because you've already played it out in your mind. If you're only working from the, from this point, you know, from your starting point, your purpose to your end point, you have a very linear, like these are the steps I'm going to take. And I, and I faced that in my teaching career. Like I had those moments where like, Oh, this is not what I planned. And if you're not, you can't be ready for all the situations. But if you haven't built that into your plan, into your, um, and it's and it's more of just an attitude of and an understanding like that this is going to happen, because once you start to understand that, I've seen just as many really unexpected, wonderful things happen as unexpected, not so wonderful things happen. Mm-hmm. But what? Before we get started on this episode, everybody, we want to take a chance to talk to you about a platform and a company that we believe in, and that's Nearpod. Now, we've had a relationship with Nearpod for over a year now, and it is by far the best educational platform we've ever used. What Nearpod is, is a presentation and engagement tool that you can use with your students. The things we love about it is you can create lessons that can either be paced by you, the teacher, or you can create lessons that allow your students to work at their own pace. And it's interactive. And one thing they've just added that makes it so much easier is it can integrate with Google Slides and Focat. So if you want to try Nearpod for free, go to this website, Go dot nearpod.com backslash value adds value that's go.nearpod.com backslash value adds value to try nearpod for free you said you said something there when you said it's 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 you could you it was hard for you to articulate what what it was and it actually is but what it is is it's confidence it's confidence. It's, it's, it's confidence. When you know, uh, I think it was Dwight D. Eisenhower who said, um, I know you're the history buff. Um, I think it was Dwight D. Eisenhower who said, plans, plans are nothing, but planning is everything. And I think you just kind of spoke to that. Like, I can't predict every single thing that's going to occur at every single level. But what I can do is say, this is where we're trying to go. So now let's work backwards 
And so that whatever comes, I know that it's not going to deter me from where I need to go because that's still in my forefront. So I'm going to make my plan. I'm going I'm to plan for what's going on. But really the plan is just to, to be in the experience and to grow and keep my purpose my purpose. And when you do that, that gives you confidence. That means I have knowledge, confidence with knowledge. I have the knowledge in myself and in my vision to be able to to purposefully and intentionally engage my craft as just that, a craft. You know, I'm not I, arbitrarily putting some some putting some legs on, on on a flat top and calling it a table. You know what I mean? I'm actually right. designing from imagination to manifestation. Right. You know, and that was what reminded me of that too. I think when you work from end to beginning, it's a lot easier to be reflective and be honest about where your situation is. Because like you just said, if you're working beginning to end and you have to hit these certain wickets and these certain things have to happen, it's easier to spin the narrative to make sure that you're hitting those particular wickets, hitting those particular events. When, when you work backwards, it's easier to just say, this is where I'm at. This is the reality of the situation. And then you, what it does is it gives you a gauge to see this is where I, I know where I was. This is where I'm at. That's where I'm trying to go. So I can see, you know, I was talking with my buddy Greg yesterday about, um, um, we were talking about, you know, the fitness journey. And I told him I want to bring him on the podcast to talk about, because he was there with me from the beginning of my journey. You know, when 275 pounds, 265 pounds at that time, Will was trying to lose weight for his wedding. And I watched my friend do it. So I said, hey, why not go to my friend? I know he, he, he knows the formula. Uh, we were talking yesterday about the fact that, <clears throat> excuse me, um, I just lost my train of thought. I'm sorry. I have to edit that. Um, what are we talking about? Um, um, working from the beginning or the end of the beginning. Oh, no, you were saying about talking about uh, working when you work from the beginning to the end and making sure you do that. But when you work the other way, it actually kind of helps you because what it does is it gives you that reflective lens. It creates that I'm always looking this way. I'm always looking that way to the point to where you look up one time and it's like the way it happened, the conversation went because I was excited that, and I'll share with you, I was able to do two uh, pull-ups, chin fully over the bar. And I was, I was elated. Like you, you would have swore I just ran a marathon or Ironman. Like I was pumped because I knew the struggle. I knew when I would just go in and just kind of hang on to the bar. And just see if I could get myself up, and I was unable to. And he put he put it in he put it in perspective. He goes, you know, right now you just moved yourself into. He goes, right now most adults our age can't do one push one pull up. So one study that he was looking at, he said most adults between the ages of thirty five and forty five are not able to do a chin over the bar pull up. He said one out of 10 can do it. And I started thinking, I was like, dang. He goes, that shows your ability of how fit you're becoming. Because that's nothing but you on your own pulling your own body weight up. So can you carry your own load? 
not just hold it and sustain it, but can you carry it? Can you lift it? And so that perspective started me thinking. He was like, and you started with, it had to be, I, you know, I started before with the little fad things. Oh, I'm going to do this. Oh, I'm going to try this. Oh, I'm going to try CrossFit. Oh, I'm going to try this. I'm going to try to train like this. I'm going to try. And it had me to say, I had to look and see, what's, what do I want to look like? Where do I see myself? What, what do I want to look like when my daughter graduates? When, I, when my benchmark was me graduating college. What do I want to walk across the stage? And I closed my eyes and I visualized that point. And I said, okay, that's your goal. That's your date. Just do it. So now working backwards says in order to accomplish that, I had to change how I ate. And I mastered that. And once I changed how I ate, then it says now, now you have to actually become active and challenge yourself to be active. And I couldn't do the daily, get to the gym every day. So I set a weekly target. You have to work out three or four times a week. Three, three days a week is a minimum. Three to four days, optimum. And, but I didn't challenge myself to go to the gym because I can work out here in my home with my kettlebells and my, you know, doing, you know, body weight training here at home. And I'll wake up and do that and not even go to the gym. My gym is kind of my accountability partner, you know, because when I, going back in there and seeing everybody and them looking at me like saying, whoa, I see you haven't been slacking off, even though you hadn't been here, you know, because I still go in there and I dog my workout. And I'm, I'm showing you, no, this is not just a fluke. But it had to start from that vision of where I wanted to be. So when I had those moments when I didn't lose any weight or when I gained weight back or have my Krispy Kreme binges, you know, and all of that starts to work into saying, you know what, but I see where I want to go. So this doesn't bother me that I had this setback. Okay, I had a bad year teaching. I had a bad year. I got that one class and I lost my cool on it. But you know what? This is a brand new year. I got a brand new year right now, new opportunity with kids who don't know me. <sighs> with kids who don't know me. And I have teachers who I can reconnect with, even if I didn't, you know, teachers are kind of like, <laughs> I don't want to, <laughs> we're kind of like, you know, pit bulls. You know, they say pit bulls, you can take a pit bull and put it in a bad environment and where it's fighting and being aggressive, put it in the right home with the right people, the right socialization. You know, they forgive very quickly. And teachers do the same thing. Most teachers forgive very quickly when people own their mistakes. Because, again, authentic teachers want to build, um, authentic teachers want to build that sense of community. Because that sense of community is so important. Because nothing that we're doing is working for ourselves. Nothing that we're doing. Going to work every day, writing lesson plans, Executing lesson plans, reteaching, you know, reevaluating, reteaching, teaching, reteaching, reevaluating, evaluate. That process, it's 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 almost crazy to say that this is what we sign up for. That's not selfish, that's selfless. And when you realize that your legacy is so much bigger than you, that's when you really hit the aha. But it has to begin with my legacy is that I want other people to benefit from something that I did on this earth. That's not from a selfish state. That's just from a state of saying, I want everybody to be on. Why would I want anybody? Why would I wish ill on anybody <laughs> or wish someone else's demise for my success? No, there's enough out here. I was listening to um, Grant Cardone the other day. 
And he said, the reason why I give so much stuff away, because I realized there's so much out here for, for everybody. You, you getting put on is not going to take anything away from me because I'm not on your level. And by the time you reach my level, I'm at another level and there's enough there for you, too. And when you get to that next level and I get to that, it's enough there. And we just keep growing together. And it doesn't matter who grew first. You know, it doesn't matter who 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 who, who fell off, who, who who cheated, because at the end, we know we're all trying to be better. And that's what we have to do to connect that beginning point to that end point is that we have to first see it. What is that end? What is that? Um, what is that one thing that I can look toward that that makes me want to do what I do? Yeah, you know, and, and for me, too, like, I think it's it's easier for me understanding it when I know it's a goal that is not like tan tangible is not the right word but you know it's it's a goal that is not like just i want to teach for this many years i want to make this much money i want to do these things it's like it, it's the broader impact and it's a goal that you know our our goal with lighthouse is that every kid will have the teacher they deserve from the time they stop step in kindergarten till the time they graduate high school is that a goal that is reachable in our lifetime? I don't know, but it's a goal worth pursuing. And I think the education profession is is a goal worth pursuing to do the best we can to impact kids, you know, for whatever reason why you want to do it. You know, for whatever reason you decided that I'm going to go into this profession that means impacting kids then you have to hold on to that. And it's when you have that and when you when you when you're more focused on the that end state than where you're currently at, when you have that day where you fall off. Or when you have a a year where you fall off, like that's where I'm at right now. Mm-hmm. But I was just thinking about this, you know, the fact that, you know, in a week succession, in one calendar week, I met Brittany. My job at my prior school at the end of 2018 ended. And then we were at our first teacher hard out. In in a week span. So my life changed in three ways, three major ways in that time. And I went from that. And I remember at that first teacher hard out around that time feeling like I don't know if I can, I mean, and that's honestly why I I don't think I really pursued a teaching job at the end of last year or would have been in 2018 because I don't think I was ready. I don't think I had the right mentality to, to go in and do that, but I stayed focused through this year, you know, having you, having her, having especially the teacher heart out crew and those people we've met and everybody on the podcast. I've grown again for the second time in three years, not being in a classroom. I've grown more than I have any other year. So it puts me now in this spot where I'm ready to like, you know, cause when we started led, I was like, we're going to, I'm going to teach for these couple years and then I'm going to go and do led solo. And now I'm like, you know what? I could teach and do it all. And, 
but we've learned and we've grown and we've now put in systems that we know we can do both. And is there a time where I might step out and just do Lighthouse or the podcast or whatever? There could be. But if it's five years from now or if it's 10 years from now, I'm, I'm okay with it. I, you know, and like Gary, v, like Gary v says too, I'm, I'm about to be 35. I still have, mo- most likely, I have well over half my life left. You probably still have half your life left. And I, and I think that is a part of my journey where I lost track of my legacy because I felt like I had to do it so fast. It had to happen so quickly. Mm-hmm. And when you realize that, it, that that goal is not time sensitive, it makes it a lot easier to have perspective. Absolutely. Absolutely. I was thinking as you were talking, um, a concept that um, um, Marianne Williamson talked about in her book, um, she talked about that the in the stages of development of a fetus, when you're going from a zygote to an embryo, the zygote doesn't say to the embryo, doesn't say, I want to become an embryo, right? The embryo doesn't say, I'm now going to be a fetus. I'm going to be a full fetus. And a fetus doesn't say, I'm being born. doesn't say that. Why? Because there's something on the inside that tells it what to do and at what times to be ready. Its only job is to respond. Stretching out of skin, a tail becoming feet. <clears throat> you know what I'm saying? Knob, knobs becoming fingers and hands and arms. Its only purpose is to respond to what's already inside of it. And so when you have yourself, you were called to teach. But then when you get in those situations where it's like, I know I want to be a teacher, but you forget why you became a teacher. You know, people ask me, man, how are you still so excited? You know, you've been teaching now. This is going into your 13th year. You're still acting all giddy and excited about school. It's because I got an end game. You know, I think about Wilma. Um, I can't remember her last name. I'll have to plug her in here and tag her in there. Um, I met her at the Rice uh, School of Mathematics, a summer summer program, the math camp for teachers. And we were together for two years, and I watched this lady who's been teaching for now over 30 years have this excitement and this zeal about herself and her classroom and what she's going to do in her students. And I'm just like, I saw her last summer at TCCA, I mean, last October at TCCA, and I went up to her and I gave her a big hug and I thanked her again for being a beacon of light for me to remind me at a stage in my career, you know, I don't think I was around year seven when I met her, that you don't have to get into that rut of, oh, it's August again. You know, no, square your shoulders. It's August, you know? It's time to make the donuts, baby. It's time to get it here and make it, and, you know, make it happen. Like, it's like, you know, I think about two-a-days. You knew when two-a-days started in, in football practice, 
you was ready to rock. You know, it's like, okay, you know, the first game's coming. And that's what I feel like. Like it's it's a, it's another opportunity to shine, to pull out of students, to let them shine to so that they can see because at the end of the day, man, we want kids to be better. We want them to come into our presence and leave us saying, Man, I feel like I could go conquer the world. You know? Mm-hmm. Like that is what that's our goal. And that is not that's not an easy task to do. Students are well, I, I like the way some people on the on the, on the ground call them tiny humans. <laughs> These little humans. They're people. You know, they're they're, people. They're people with personality. You know, they're not this sit down, stay in a corner and be an ornament while I do what I do. No, that's not going to work. You know, and I think for you, you had to take that time. I told you before, I thought that your growth after you left the classroom to when you went back, left Houston and before you before you went, um, I thought your growth then was amazing. When you, when you left Houston to go to Wisconsin and you had taken that taking the time, I think now where you are mentally, you kept well, when you were talking, I was thinking about my grandpa used to always say, you should spend more time sharpening your axe than you do chopping down a tree. And I think that's what you were doing. And the fact that you can look back and say, you know, this is how I, reflectively I can say that I was I, I was I was becoming better. I was talking with teachers from all over the country. You know, I was sharpening my axe so that I can make sure that when I when 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 it's time, then I'll you know, I'll be able to move. And you know, we had the conversation yesterday the other day about that. So we, we know that it's being your pot is being prepared for for the seed that's in you. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I think that 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 legacy, that purpose, that why. Why, why am I in here? And if that's if I had to challenge any teacher, if you're listening to this right now, I challenge you before August hits, before you do any school shopping, before you think about classroom decor, and as a lot of people are already thinking that way, uh, grab a pencil, pen, and a pad. Sit down somewhere with your beverage of choice. It could be coffee. It could be a glass of wine. It could be a glass of water. It could be a protein shake. It could be a vegan supplement. Whatever it is that you, your beverage of choice. Sit down, dedicate about 30 minutes to writing about why you started teaching. Your 30-minute why. And I mean, that's a deep dive for why. Because, again, the deeper your roots go, the further out your branches go, and the more support you have. You know, my wife and I, we love going taking pictures of trees because I love to watch when root systems, when the ground can't support it, that the root actually grows up and becomes part of the tree in order to sustain life because the roots are going deeper now. So now it causes them kind of to bow out because they're saying, no, I got to spin from this because you're not giving me what I need. So I got to go deeper. And that's what we have to, as educators, become. We have to become deep divers of ourselves, and do that every year so that you can realize when you walk into the classroom, no matter what happens, your why is bigger than every incident that you're going to encounter. Your why is bigger than everything. It's not, you know, you don't have to be frustrated from day to day. You know, meditate. Meditate. I was just reading a study that said people who meditate see the doctor less. 
because stressing your body, you know, that increased cortisol is what makes your body get all out of whack, makes your hormones get all crazy, and it makes you more susceptible to things that your body can normally fight off. Just because, it's, you know, you wouldn't go a week without taking a shower. But emotionally, mentally, and spiritually, we walk around with months of stench on our body. So find a meditative place to do, whether, you know, and I'm talking about still away, quiet time, three minutes. You don't have to sit there and, um, you know, people want to be silly and, oh, let's make a circle. No, you can just go somewhere, sit down for three minutes, close your eyes, and and, and, and re refocus yourself. See yesterday falling off of you. See yourself, you know, waking up brand new for this brand new day. Visualize yourself walking into your day, walking into your building and just spend some time tracking that out so that nothing happens by mistake. Because what happened is in, in that in that pre, I'm going to call it a preplay in that preplay of what your day is going to look like, you'll actually kind of start seeing the people. And when you start seeing those people in your vision, salute them for what they're going to add to your life for that day, whether through being a champion or being a challenge. See, thank them already because everything is still working towards your why. 